0: He has risen. He has risen Hallelujah. Well, good morning and peace be with you. We've got a really good shoe for you today, and it's not because of anything we did. It's because everything that he did for you. And may it be a blessing to you and a blessing to our Lord as we worship Him, as we praise Him, and as we confess to Him. That's all that He really asks from us, is praise and confession. I liken it to having children that don't live in the house anymore. Most all of you have that have had that happen to you, uh, and grandchildren move out. But don't you like to hear from your kids? Yeah. yeah. And uh, they... Uh, are a, a joy to us, to mothers and to fathers, and the Heavenly Father gets joy when he gets to have his kids all together, and they're speaking out to him. So let's make Papa happy this morning, amen? amen. I want to point you to, uh, certainly you smell how wonderful this is, and uh, the hard work that went to that, the hands that uh, put that together, the beautiful, I don't know if we call that a freezer or whatever, but the, the, that is gorgeous. Karen, where are you? There she is and all the ladies that came from all around to do this it's it is absolutely gorgeous and then there's one other little thing that is somewhere up in that general direction that is very, very special. And um, all of the things that contribute this morning to this experience that we have as a family, um, many little hands and little feet put it together. After our service this morning, we have a banquet that is being prepared right now. I hope you can stay and enjoy fellowship and enjoy uh, the sandwiches and other delightful things that uh, are out there. So um, this is a big day and I'm glad to be here with you. Let's get started. and worthily magnify your holy name, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord For the peace of the whole world, Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God. Hallelujah! Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain whose blood set us free to be people of God, power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God, Hallelujah! Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation. Blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. you. Let us pray. Almighty God, the Father, through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, you have overcome death and open the gate of everlasting life to us. Grant that we, who celebrate with joy the day of our Lord's resurrection, may be raised from the death of sin by your life-giving Spirit. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.
1: Good morning and happy Easter. More importantly, He is risen. Hallelujah. If you'd like to follow along on my readings, uh, you have Pew Bibles that are tucked in in front of you. You can follow in and look at the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 25, verses 6 through 9, found in the Pew Bible. On 1095, the readings I'm going to be doing point to a couple of important, very important things. Uh, I like to say believe and trust. Believe and trust. So we'll start reading Isaiah, and we'll see what we're talking about here. Isaiah 25, verse 6. On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove his people's disgrace from all the earth. The Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, surely, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord, we trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Trust. Second reading, you can follow along and, and with me uh, read responsibly. Uh, it's in your uh, bulletin uh, about halfway toward the end, you'll find it, print it out. I will read the first verse, and then intermittently you guys will be reading the alternate verses. So that's in the uh, handout today. Psalm 16 starts out by saying, Keep me safe, my God, for you; for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart for you have no good things. I say to the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after gods suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have the delighted inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you have not abandoned me, realm of the dead. Nor will you let your faithful one seed decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. The next uh, reading will be going to the first book of Corinthians in chapter 15. And that will be verses 1 through 11. This can also be found in your pew Bible a little further back in the Bible on page 1789 of the pew Bible. Verse 15. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand. Your stand. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you will have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the other twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of them whom are still living, some although have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and at last he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born, Paul. For I am least of the apostles, Paul says, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace, the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace, his grace to me, was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, that is what we preach, and that is what you believe. Here ends the readings. Hey, a, excuse me. This is the end of our readings today. Thanks be to God.
0: Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel. According to St. Mark from the 16th chapter, glory to you, O Lord. The gospel this morning does indeed come from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8, and you can find that on your pew Bible on 1584. Mark 16, 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. But when they looked up they saw the stone which was very large and it had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified, and he has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They saw nothing, They said, said nothing to anyone, because they were afraid. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. There was a a time uh, that I thought that the books of the Bible were written in the order that they appear in the Bible. It, it wasn't until I was a little old, older, uh, more mature, that I figured out that each book of the Bible was written by itself. Uh, and that there are many different ways to arrange uh, each book in all of the books in the Bible, and you can go out and you can find them. There are ones that go chronologically, and uh, people uh, mix them around all, all the time. And one of the things that surprised me um, at first, because, well, did you know this, that some of the epistles that Paul wrote were actually written before the gospel accounts were available in written form? I just never thought about that. Of course, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they were done way before 1 Corinthians. But they weren't. Okay. Get to it, Pastor. What does that mean? Well, today's epistle comes from one of the earliest writings in the New Testament. Many scholars feel that the account of the resurrection in today's reading first corinthians may be the first written proclamation of the resurrection paul wrote it today's epistle was written to a church that had many struggles putting it politely the city of corinth is in a geographically strategic spot. It is on a narrow isthmus, and it connects the two parts of Greece. And the citizens of Corinth, along with the sister city of Sancria, had worked out a way to lift the ships out of the sea and to carry them across the isthmus and place them back in the sea on the other side of the Isthmus. That's fun to say. Isthmus. Go ahead and say it. Isthmus. Okay, you didn't got chickens. Anyway, uh, the way that they did it, this was astounding. There's a canal there, by the way, now. But they, they actually had, uh, like, wheels and, and, and uh, uh, tracks, and they would move these ships across. This turned out to be a huge, huge savings in time and expense. And uh, Corinth soon became very, very wealthy. And along with the wealth came immorality. Kind of typical of port cities or, or trade hubs. You, you can see that, well, the sailors are supposed to do something, and what are they supposed to do while their ship is making its way across the Isthmus? So cor- Corinth became um, a center of both moral and immoral forms of entertainment for the sailors who were waiting for their ships. In fact, Corinth became a verb. So to Corinthianize came to mean to live a pagan and immoral life similar to the citizens of Corinth. Live like a Corinthian. So in spite of all this, of the amoral behavior, the Holy Spirit was at work. And he worked through the Apostle Paul to establish a Christian congregation in Corinth. And Paul spent a great deal of time in Corinth helping them with all of the struggles that a young church would have in the middle of such a corrupt, pagan, and immoral culture. The members of the congregation in Corinth also sent uh, delegations, several of them, to Paul after he left their city. They still had struggles and they still looked to Paul to provide them with guidance from the Holy Spirit. And as a result, Paul sent at least four letters, four letters to the church in Corinth. And two of these letters have survived. And those are the letters that became 1st and 2nd Corinthians in what we call. The New Testament, which is really just a newer Old Testament, right? Today's epistle reading comes near the end of the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. It, in the p- earlier parts of it, it has dealt with several of the dividing issues that um, the congregation was fa- facing, and in Paul's letter writing. Um, My own earthly father was Pauline in the way that he could write, and I'll explain that in this. Paul's letter and some of my father's letters, uh, they encouraged, they scolded, they warned, and then they guided. And now as he nears the end of the letter that we read today, and he gave out all the basics. He, one of them was, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. And that is this, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. In that, Paul is reminding them, and he's reminding you and me, that Christians and Christians in Corinth that the most important teaching is that Christ died for our sins and that he rose on the third day. Now today, there are many false scholars who insist that Christ's resurrection was a hoax. They insist that either the disciples or the early church fabricated a resurrection in order to jumpstart this new religion called Christianity. Sadly, there are millions of people who buy into this false scholarship, this false teaching. And Paul's words to the Corinthians not only tell us that Christ has risen, but they also challenge those who who say he has not. You see, Paul followed his proclamation of the resurrection with a list, with a list of witnesses who saw Jesus alive after he had died on the cross. When Paul states that these people saw Jesus, he does not mean that they kind of had a glimpse out of the corner of their eye. And he's not talking about the kind of witness who says that, I saw Elvis, and he was walking with Bigfoot. These were credible witnesses, not kooks. He's talking about Witnesses who had, (laughs) read it, Ken. He is talking about witnesses who had conversations with Jesus. And not only just conversations, but they ate with Jesus. They touched Jesus and were touched by Jesus. He is talking about first-class, reliable credible witnesses. The kind of witness that you can put on the stand at any trial, and they would stand up. Paul reminded the Christians in Corinth that they could talk to Cephas, or any of the other 12 apostles, and there is also a group of more than 500 people who saw Jesus, who heard Jesus. It begs the question how many witnesses do you need? People who study mythology say that you have to get far away from someone or something in order to start a myth about it. You have to be far enough away so that no one can say, hey, wait a minute, I was there, and that is not how it happened. You you have to be away from a person that can say that. You also have to be far away from a person who has a family member that was there and maybe told them about it, maybe a grandma. So it could go like that, Somebody could say, hey, you know what? My grandma, she told me about that. And here is how she said it really happened. Do you get an idea how far removed you have to get in order for a myth to survive? You need a great distance in time and in space so that no one can check your facts. Getting harder to do in the age of the internet where everything is forever. And Christianity does the exact opposite of that. Here's what it does. It starts in Jerusalem where anyone could take a few hours and check out the tomb where any decent investigator can find witnesses to the people and the events. If you were going to start up a fake religion that depended on a fake miracle, you would not start in the very city where the fake miracle was supposed to happen. You do not start it up less than a generation after the miracle was supposed to happen. You just can't do that with a fake. Paul wrote this letter probably less than 50 years. It was AD 50. So you're talking 18 some odd years from the, from the crucifixion and the resurrection. That's not a lot of time. There's people that would remember. You can only do this with the truth. And in this case, the truth that the resurrection is real. The witnesses of the resurrection are not just credible witnesses because their accounts of the resurrection line up and makes sense, they are also credible witnesses because they were willing to die rather than change their story. No sane person would die for a story. No sane person would die for a lie, let alone 12 or hundreds of martyrs that came after them the fact that hundreds of martyrs gave up their lives it just shows us that the resurrection is the truth okay so what does it mean that the resurrection is truth it means that when jesus was on the cross and when he said it is finished then it really is finished He has taken all of our sins from us, and he's made us righteous before God. It means that every promise he ever made will come true. It means that those who believe in him for forgiveness of sins will live forever in the joy of his presence. What does it mean? that the resurrection is the truth. It means that loved ones that we have buried in death will not remain that way forever. It means that when we buried them, that we experienced a different kind of grief. And we do not grieve As those who have no hope our grief is the grief of those who will be apart for a long time but not forever the resurrection means that the day will come when we will see our loved ones again that's his promise The resurrection means that when a believer dies, the Lord takes him out of this valley of sorrows and of pain and he brings him to himself in heaven. It means that he leaves behind all the sin and the sorrow, all the pain and the sickness, and all that make life in this world so hard so frustrating. It means that he now waits in the presence of the Lord, his Savior, Jesus Christ. The resurrection means that the day will come when Jesus will raise all the dead and he will give eternal life to all believers in Christ. It means the day will come when there will be a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. It means that all those who wait with the Lord in heaven and all those who are still alive on earth will be changed. We shall all live in our bodies, but these bodies will be immortal. They will be heavenly. They will be perfect bodies. They shall be our bodies, but all of the corruption of sin will be gone from them. The Apostle Paul describes it this way, also in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, but in verses 51 through 57. He says this Behold, I tell you a mystery that we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. And when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For we know the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who has given us the victory through Jesus Christ. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you please stand, if you're able? Let us now confess together the, our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed found on page four of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, As always, it's okay to sit if you uh, need to or want to. Uh, you know, he hears our prayers anyways, and, and uh, so I want you to feel comfortable if you'd like to, to sit. Let us pray for all people in accordance to their needs. Lord God, on this glorious day, fill your people with a holy fear At the resurrection of your Son, that we would tremble no longer before the grave, but rejoice and live in the truth of your power to save. Lord, in your mercy, let us hold fast to the word that is preached to us, that receiving it with joy, we may take our stand in it and be saved by it. Hinder all who would sow doubt into our hearts and grant us courage to confess its truth in our life and conversation. Lord, in your mercy. Bless Joseph, our president, and all who make and administer our laws. Frustrate the forces of evil and do not let our leaders cooperate with them or further their goals. Guard guard our armed forces as they stand watch for us at home and abroad. Let them serve with honor and integrity. Lord, in your mercy, have mercy on the sick and those in any need. Let the dawning light of the new creation in Christ sustain them in faith. In accord with your will, grant them renewed health, a foretaste of their eternal healing in him. Lord, in your mercy, give us joy in your son's great victory feast, as he shares it with us from his altar, in the eating of his true body and the drinking of his precious blood and faith. Overcome our sin by his forgiveness and swallow up our death in his life that we may be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Lord, in your mercy, comfort those who mourn with the truth of Christ's empty tomb, that in the midst of their grief, that they may abide in the hope of his resurrection. Uphold them in faith as they await the day when you will wipe away every tear from all faces. Lord, in your mercy, we join today in, in singing eternal allelujahs and innumerable angels in festal gathering with the assembly of the firstborn enrolled in heaven and with the spirits of the righteous made perfect. And we bring these petitions before you Dear Father, Abba, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. And now let's share the peace, but we still got to do it responsibly at a distance, waving is good. Will you pray with me? Merciful Father, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given us, ourselves. Our time and our possessions, signs of your gracious love, receive them for the sake of Him who offered Himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you, lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on the tree of the cross gave salvation to all, that where death began, their life might be restored, that he who by a tree once overcame might be a tree be overcome and so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven we praise your name and join their unending hymn holy 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 lord lord god of power and might heaven and earth are full of your glory Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim his death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to me and to you. Our Father, who art in heaven, This is a a foretaste of the feast to come. And it is a feast that came at a great price that we've been reflecting on and hearing about and remembering all this week. And it was a price that he paid because he loved you. And you've heard this before, but it was a price that he hung on that cross. Yes, there were nails, but that's not what kept him there. Love. Love. For you and for me is what kept him there. And this is in remembrance of him. It's a meal that's prepared for you if you confess Jesus with your lips. And I heard you. So this meal is for you. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward. Oh, sin
2: had left a
0: Jesus kept his promise. Which promises does he keep? Amen, he does. And he kept his promise to rise from the dead. And he shows us that he uh, keeps every single promise as you just confessed. And he keeps his promise to come to us. And he will keep his promise to take us where he is. Just as he said in John 14.3, he said, I will come again and I will take you to myself and that where I am you may be also. This is the promise that we can believe. We can believe for he has risen he has risen indeed, hallelujah. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
3: Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine.
1: Oh, what a
3: foretaste of glory divine! air salvation, purchase of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior. All this is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long Perfect submission, perfect delight Visions of rapture now burst on my side Angels descending, spring from above Echoes of mercy All the day long.
0: Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let us go in peace and joy of the risen Christ to love and serve the Lord.